Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting? Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm Tom Howard, and this is the Autosport Podcast. It's Thursday the 6th of May and on today's podcast we'll be previewing the British Touring Car Championship and the FIF3 Championship which both kick off their 2021 campaigns this weekend. The BTCC heads to Thruxton for its season opener while the FIF3 Championship joins the Formula 1 paddock at the Spanish Grand Prix in Barcelona. Both championships are renowned for producing edge-of-the-seat racing so we're looking forward to tackling some of the key issues looking ahead to the new season. The BTCC has been a hive of activity in the off-season with a number of drivers switching teams and a number of teams changing guises. Arguably the biggest story of the off-season has seen Team Dynamics depart with Dan Kamish, a title contender for the last two seasons. The Honda squad has elected to bring back three-time BTCC champion Gordon Shedden alongside Dan Robottom in a move that has also seen team owner and touring car veteran Matt Neal step aside from driving duties. While we thought Kamish might be absent from the grid this weekend, he has actually secured a guest driver of BTC racing this weekend. The Honda squad has drafted in Kamish to fill the vacant seat left by Michael Kreese, who departed the team last week. While BTC Racing has made it clear that Kamish's drive is a guest drive only this weekend, the team is evaluating its options to fill the vacant seat for the remainder of the season. Now we have covered what was a breaking story with Dan Kamish earlier this week. Let's talk all things touring cars and preview the season with Marcus Simmons. Let's look back at last year. Uh, a season like no other, Marcus. Just talk us through it. Well, yeah, it was a season like no other. Firstly, because it began in August <laughs> and, um, and everyone was wearing shorts, uh, which we don't normally do at the first round of British Touring Car Championship, unless you're a mechanic and they wear shorts in any weather um but uh yeah it was um it was a real gripper um 
five drivers in title contention going into the final round. Quickly boiled down to Ash Sutton against Colin Turkington. And um, yeah, both both those guys were brilliant throughout the season, really. Um, Turkington and West Surrey Racing just couldn't get the BMW working in the cold, wet conditions on the Brands Hatch Indy circuit. Infinity from Laser Tools Racing that Ash Sutton was driving was... Uh, it it was prob- it's probably fair to say it was never as ideally perfect as the BMW was in certain conditions, but um, but it was a it seemed to be much more of a flexible car. Um, and Sutton also excels in those kinds of changeable conditions, and and um, yeah, it really swung towards swung, really swung towards him, and he um, he won the championship brilliantly. Um, second time he's he's won the title, and uh, yeah, so that's. Um, it was a really excellent season. Dan Camish was brilliant in the Honda. Tom Ingram was in a Toyota, and and Rory butchered massively fast in the Ford Focus. And um, you know, he he admitted that he made probably a couple more mistakes than he would have liked to. Um, but also bear in mind it was the first year for the Ford Focus as well, or the fourth generation ST version. And um, so you know, everybody there did a great job to keep it in title contention until the last round. Um, so. You know, five five drivers, five teams, five different models of car, and um, yeah, really, really good racing throughout the season. And just looking ahead now to to this season, we've had probably the silliest of silly seasons for BTCC for quite a while. A number of the key contenders have moved around. Tom Ingram has left Speedworks to go to the Accelerate Motorsport Hyundai team. And we've obviously got no Matt Neal on the grid, which is a big, big surprise for everyone. Just talk us through the the silly season, some of the biggest changes, and who have been the winners and losers. I think the biggest one really is uh, dynamics, and you mentioned Matt Neal, Dan Camish not being part of that lineup is arguably the biggest story for this season because Matt was already weighing up towards the end of 2020 whether he was going to be in the driving seat or not um, this year, and um, yeah, a lot. A lot happened behind the scenes at Dynamics over the winter to try and pull something together because Honda pulled their official backing of the team. Um, UASA, one of their main sponsors, who are associated with Honda, um, there's a, as far as I can understand, there's a little bit of shared ownership um, between those two companies. And uh, they pulled out too. And, and Halford stayed on board. They've been the... the probably the loyalist backer of dynamics over the years um but the um yeah shedden gordon shedden was lurking in the background three-time british touring car champion unfortunately for dan camish it's just the the horrible commercial realities at, at the moment that really um really stuffed him um because um yeah he was supposed to be doing the second year of a two-year deal this year um the last couple of years he's looked to proper contender there, there were moves at dynamics to bring a backer in that could could have kept camish on board and possibly matt neal as well um but it would have needed a third entrance license for the team and that's another long story and whether we'll ever get to the bottom of everything i don't know but but the uh the, the vague overview is that um toka the um series promoters had that spare license but <clears throat> wanted to get the um the approval of the teams as to whether dynamics would would have it and not enough of those teams said yes um so um so unfortunately they were in the situation where they could sign up shedden for the season but they 
really needed um, more commercial strength in the team, which is where Dan Robottom came in with his uh, Cataclean backing. And um, yeah, Dan Robottom had a pretty tough first season in the BTCC in 2019 with Sicily Motorsport in the Mercedes. Um, but um, his, his Renault Clio record suggests, you know, suggests that he's just as deserving of a drive in the BTCC as many of the others who came out of that series as well. Um, and he's he's been doing quite well in testing and and um and I think he'll be a, a decent contender in it. Um yeah also obviously you've got the um the Jack Sears trophy competition for drivers who've never scored an overall podium. Looking at the entry I think Dan Robottom's a shoe in for that, but I'm probably going to be wrong. Um but commercial considerations that drove Tom Ingram to go to um to leave Speedworks and the Toyota team to uh, to join Accelerate Motorsports to drive the Hyundai. And that's all because Tom is his own brand as a racing driver. I, I hate using that word, but he's very much inspired by Jason Plato in building up his portfolio of sponsors um, that he takes with him um, into into touring car racing. And, um, and because Speedworks were having a big rebrand for this year and, and moving more in line with the general Toyota um, livery and, and image, um, then his personal backers um, wouldn't get the space on the car that they're accustomed to. So, so he went off to um, to accelerate. Took his engineer from Speedworks, Spencer Aldridge, with him. Obviously, then uh, Speedworks were looking for a title contender. So Rory Butcher jumped over to them from um, from Motorbase. Beyond that, the Motorbase situation deserves its own uh, big story in itself because of the uh, you know effective merger over the off season between them um, between them and um, an amd who were racing as mb motorsport last year and um and that's brought jake hill into the team so so ingram goes from Toy- toyota to hyundai um butcher goes from ford to toyota and ingram comes in uh, sorry hill comes in from uh, an old spec fk2 civic to uh, to drive the ford so yeah not quite a nice merry-go-round to get our teeth in, into over the winter uh, and then, of course, there was um, the return of Jason Plato as well with um, Power Max Racing in the Vauxhall Astra. And um, although it was always it was always down as something that was going to happen in 2021, it did go very quiet for for quite a while, um, especially by Jason Plato standards. So, so the team during the winter felt moved to uh, put out uh, a statement saying, "Yes, he is staying with us in 2021, and he's going to be." Um, He's going to be on the grid, um, and um, yeah, they, they've also brought um, a very capable driver into the fold in the in the in the second car, um, Dan Lloyd, who's um, who's a race winner of the past and has been successful in TCR Europe over the past couple of seasons. So, so yeah, a lot of chopping and changing, and you're probably going to remind me of someone I've forgotten to mention. <laughs> Well, you've yeah, yeah, I suppose so. But you're right. There's been a lot of chopping and changing, and in many ways, six teams have combined together to create three teams, haven't they? Because there's been a lot of alliances between Laser Tools and Team Hard, Motorbase and Mark, uh, Mark Blundell, and then we've got the Accelerate and Trade Price Cars scenario. So you've got a lot of a lot of teams sort of combining their resources. Is that because funding is pretty tight at the moment, and people are having to do that? There's a lot of entrance licenses have changed hands over the winter. That's that's for sure. Yeah, it's fair to say there is probably a commercial funding element um, that goes into it, but also a pensioning off of some of the old machinery that's been around for years. Like 
Um, you mentioned the trade price cars situation. So they they came in in 2019 with a couple of Audi S3s that were already getting long in the tooth and did a deal with, with AMD for AMD to run them for those two seasons. Come the end of 2020, you know, there's there's nothing left for them to give. So so they've been um, they've been pensioned off and um, trade price cars um, owners Dan Kirby and Andy Wilmot um, were they were talking to various teams and eventually got together with Accelerate Motorsport um, for this season and Accelerate acquired their their um, entrance licenses. So similar story to the Audi S3s, the Volkswagen CCs, probably seven or eight years now, isn't it? Um, and um, you could just you could just see on the track how how outdated they'd become, and and um, it become, they were becoming a little bit unreliable as well. Um, Jack Goff had a lot of problems last year, and um, and so Team Hard took the uh, decision to um, start a new build project with the Cupra Leon, and um, they've also um, yeah they were also running the BMW 125 of Carl Bordley. And the 125 is also an old car and that's been pensioned off as well. So um, so Carl Bordley has taken his entrance license to Laser Tools, but with Team Hard people involved in running that car. So, <laughs> um, so it's um, a real... Uh, it, sometimes it's hard to see where uh, where we draw the lines between the various teams, and then yeah, the the Motorbase AMD uh, merger as well, where uh, David Bartram decided that the time was right to uh, to sell the team that he'd founded, and um, Sean Hollenby, the AMD impresario, and um, Pete Osborne, father of Sam Osborne, who's been who's been driving um, the AMD slash MB Civic for for a season. Um, took took over the team, but um, but but that's uh, that's something you could probably tell me about, Tom, because you're um, you're very close to those guys, aren't you, of Motorbase? Worked with those guys for a long time in the past, so it was obviously sad to to see David uh, bow out because he's been such a character in the paddock. He's you know he's one of those guys that loves to have a laugh and a joke, and and you know he sort of brightens the brightens the pit lane in a way with with the way he carries on, but he's also a very serious competitor, so. It was quite sad to sort of see him bow out, but to for his team to win that last race at Brands Hatch, it was actually quite an emotional moment for the team. So um, anyway, but uh, let's let's talk of business end. Then who's who's in the mix for the title? And it, and it looks like an absolutely cracking lineup for the for the title battle this year. We've got obviously Plato back in the mix. We've got Gordon Shedden back in there. There's obviously Sutton wants to defend his crown. Uh, Ingram will be up there surely. Butcher will be there. What you know? And Turkington, let's not forget him, four-time champion, uh, Mister Consistency. Does it normally without having to win too many races? So, who's your money on? The ironic thing is, is that Colin Turkington won more races than anyone last year and didn't win the championship. Whereas two years before that, he won only one and uh, and took the title. But uh, it's completely up in the air at the moment. We did have the um, media day test at Silverstone a couple of weeks ago on the national circuit. But it's so hard to read that because it's only a four-corner circuit. It's only a 57-second lap time. Um, you don't know what weight people are running. You don't know how much fuel they've got in the car. Some people went out for a run on the soft tyres, which they're actually not not racing at Silverstone this year. So so most of the serious contenders, what we might term the serious title contenders, um, didn't bother testing on the softs at Silverstone because it's going to be the medium that they're 
that they're racing on later in the season. Um, you don't know, but even those who were running mediums, you don't know uh, how new or old or brand new the, the tyres were that they were running. So, um, so the, you know, the headline was Gordon Shedden had a blistering couple of short three-lap runs at the end of the day and went two-tenths quicker than anyone else, which is an absolute... Which is, yeah, if you converted that to a normal length circuit, that would be you know, over half a second clear of anybody, which is obviously immense. I spoke to Gordon last week about it, and he said, "Yeah, we were we were running normal weight success ballast, but we had a reasonably new set of tyres on, but not brand new." I think it's going to be a cracking championship battle. I think we're really going to see. One of the best for a long time. It uh, should be really good. Just to mop up some of the the other sort of stories um, in the paddock. Obviously, we've we've covered a few of them, but uh, BTC Racing. Um, obviously, Michael Kreese has gone, so there's going to be a new face, potentially a new face there. And they've also brought in Jade Edwards, the first full time female in the championship since 2007, I think. And we've also got Josh Cook. So there's a strong lineup there, and also with Sicily, who have got the the WSR built BMWs for Tom Chilton and Adam Morgan. So those two teams are definitely uh, a couple to keep you an eye on as well. Josh Cook has been with BTC Racing for for a while now, and um, you know, if it hadn't been for a catastrophic start to the season, as far as luck was concerned last year, then um, he would have been much further up the championship. And if there was any bad luck going, he was he was hoovering it up. Um, and um, yeah, he's yeah, he very much led the led the team as far as uh, pace was concerned and um, he was very much contemporary of Ash Sutton's when they came into the BTCC together and and really you wouldn't have you wouldn't have said Sutton was going to be the one and Cook wasn't going to be the one it was you know they were two really really bright stars coming into the championship um you know, he's he's suffered from um, from lack of funding or lack of a benefactor or whatever that some of the other deserving drivers have had and um, except BTC Racing who have really stood by him and made it possible for him to to compete in the championship um, interesting thing there is that their their two deal two year deal with dynamics to sort of oversee well not 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 oversee but just um, I'm trying to think of the word so their two-year deal with Dynamics uh, for cooperation across the um, with with the Civic FKA has now come to an end. So, so they've sort of gone it alone, um, and that includes on the engine side because um, you know, Neil Brown um, do the engines for the for the Honda Civic FKA as well as the BMWs that West Surrey Racing and now Sicily are using. Um, but um, but BTC have gone to the Toka. Um, spec engine that the that um the vast majority of the rest of the field use which is um obviously swindon at the moment last year last year was swindon before it switches to m sport last year um <clears throat> now there's nothing wrong with that engine because obviously it won the championship with ash sutton last year so that'll be that'll be quite an interesting thing um because we've never seen the the swindon in the in the fk8 civic before um and on as far as sicily motorsport are concerned and that that was quite a quite a big story it was probably one of the one of the earlier um off-season silly season stories um and and i mentioned earlier on the the aged cars being um 
finally um, put put out to pasture at the end of their BTCC careers. But um, Sicily had been running the Mercedes A class since 2014, and Adam Morgan had been uh, winning races most seasons with it. <clears throat> um, but um, really, that car reached the end of its development, and um, and Russell Morgan, Adam's father, the principal of the team, was. Um, in in conjunction with Steve Farrell, the uh, the technical chief there, they decided, yeah, let's let's um, try and persuade West Surrey Racing to sell us a couple of their BMW three thirty eyes. So that's what happened, and um, and the, the knock on effect of that, which which is quite interesting, is that um, however hard Adam Morgan has tried over the last seven years at the wheel of that Mercedes, he's he's either he's either had uh, no teammate or a teammate who hasn't had much experience alongside him so um so adam has never actually really known how good he is um the team have never really known how good he is because there hasn't been any real barometer in the car um so um but with them running the bmw that's um persuaded a driver like tom chilton to sign up for the other seat um And um, obviously, Tom's been around the touring car scene for almost two decades now. Um, he's always capable of having a couple of wins in him during a season. And um, and at last, Adam Morgan has the barometer that, that he hasn't had before. Um, what is new for both of them is that they've, they've never really had a BTCC season in a rear-wheel drive car. Um, they, they've both got rear-wheel drive experience. I mean, if you remember back to the 2000s, Tom Chilton was racing LMP1 cars and um, Adam Morgan has raced. Um, yeah, he, he came through the Ginetta G55 Super Cup um, before he came into BTCC and he's raced um, GT4 Mercedes machinery. And he actually started his car career in a Mark I Escort Mexico, um, which is about as rear-wheel drive as you can possibly get. <laughs> but um, the uh, but the, their rear-wheel drive, their the particular rear wheel drive experience that both of them has um both of them have isn't really relevant to a 2021 ngtc car so so that's going to take probably a bit of getting used to but they both love the car um uh, the the bmw and um you know adam morgan's particularly confident with it and um it will be really interesting to see how uh, they compare to the the west surrey cars if they get anywhere near colin turkington they're doing really well and um, yeah, you've also got Tom Oliphant and Stephen Jelly in the West Surrey cars as well, and both of them, both of them are capable of um, notching up a win. Um, uh, they both have won in the last couple of years in the championship. So, so you've actually got five BMW drivers with Sicily moving over to that car this year, who could who could actually win races this year. What are you most looking forward to? I think from my end, there's there's so much to to dig your teeth into. I'd, I'd love to see like Plato back up at the front and with knocking horns with Shedden that'd be great to watch you've got obviously Ingram and the young lads Butcher trying to trying to unseat Sutton as well with Turkington there's a lot to look forward to what are you looking forward to the most well what I'm looking forward to at the most at the moment is I, I don't know if you can hear this howling wind outside um which is um particularly unpleasant and uh um but I've uh, I've had a look at the weather forecast for Thruxton and um, at the moment, it says 19 or 20 degrees. So I'm quite looking forward to getting the shorts out and uh, having a nice weekend in Hampshire. But yeah, I think it's going to be 
quite good fun. The only problem is that we've got such a long gap between the first round and the second. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, once uh, once it gets up to speed, I'm sure it's going to be just as unpredictable and mad as it usually is. So, cards on the table, and who's who's going to do it? Who's going to win the title? I'm going to make a stab at Shedden, but don't hold me to it. <laughs> <laughs> good stuff thanks thanks very much Marcus for joining us uh, to talk all things British Touring Car Championship um, we're really looking forward to to seeing that kick off at Thraxton and throughout the year so thanks again Marcus no worries thank you that was BTCC and um, what a great championship that looks like it's going to be and equally the FIA Formula 3 Championship is going to be just as exciting this championship obviously bespoke uh, single seaters so all the cars are identical and it's all really about the driver. So it does make this championship quite compelling to watch. Last year was a great title battle between uh, really three drivers at the end there in Mugello between Oscar Piastri, Teo Porcher and Logan Sargent. And in the end, Piastri just did enough to to win that title in Mugello in a cracking finale. Uh, we're looking like it's going to be very similar this year. Uh, so we've got Megan White, our Formula 3 reporter, to to discuss all the stories and look ahead to the new season, which kicks off at the Spanish Grand Prix this weekend. Exciting stuff, Tom. Um, yeah, as you said, last season was really close. Four points separating the top three by by the showdown at Mugello. Yeah, stunning performance from Piastri. Um, you know, the top three were all really strong. Porsche, slow burner, but he was consistently strong towards the end of the season. Sargent had, had come into last year off the back of a tough rookie year with Carlin and managed to fight his way into third. So he did amazingly well. Frederick Vesti as well, who ended the season in fourth, really ended the season on a high and, and he's likely to be up there again this season. Probably pertinent to say that Piastri and Porcher have, have graduated to Formula 2 now. So the, the only sort of remaining contenders from that group from last year are Vesti and Sargent. Uh, Vesti's joined a different team this year. So he's gone from Prima to ART. Uh, and obviously we've got Sergeant there with Chiruz. Um So just talk us through who we think might be in the mix for this championship. It's always very difficult to predict because everyone is so close, but you'd have thought those two would be definitely contenders. Vesti for sure. He's joined ART. He came fourth last year. I can see him doing incredibly well with that team. As his teammates, he's got um, Alex Smolia and Juan Manuel Correa as well. They're looking to be a really, really strong team this year. You've got Victor Martins and Kayo Collette at MP Motorsport as well. Did incredibly well at testing. Martins topped both days in uh, Barcelona and Collette, both of them in Austria. So looking really quick, quick there as well. There are quite a few standout drivers. Um, Sargent, again, as you said, did well last year. He's now with Chiruz, so his chances might not be as strong as they were. I spoke to the ART team manager, Sebastian Philippe, and he said he thinks there's about five or six drivers competing for the title, but he declined to suggest who they might be. So it's a mystery, but I'd say I'd say he's looking at at least of his two of his drivers being up there. Uh, for that title fight. In his cards close to his chest, like a good team owner, I think. Um, you'd be foolish to rule out Prima, certainly if you look at their history in this category, and certainly in Formula 2, they're always in the mix. And this year, obviously, they've got the uh, Arthur Leclerc, Dennis Hauger, and Ollie Caldwell. So I guess those, those three are definitely, surely those three are going to be in the mix as well. The team to beat in F3 in recent years, Robert Schwartzman got the title in 2019, Oscar Piastri last year, they didn't set the timesheets alight at testing. In Austria, Hauger was P2, great start. 
um, Caldwell P14 and Leclerc P24. And then in Spain, Algo was P9, Caldwell P17, Leclerc P22. So not incredible performances in testing, but it's testing. So really the, the true, the true colors will be shown this weekend. And as, as you said, they're, they're the team to beat usually. So I can see a bit of a battle between them and ART who had three drivers in the top 10 uh, in testing at Barcelona, Vesti, um, Smoliar and uh, Correa. So I think there'll be a good tussle between those two teams. Um, I mean, for the Premier's new drivers, um, Hauger, he's a Red Bull junior. He came 17th last year, but it was that was his first year in F3. So, you know, he's, he's looking to make some progress. Um, and Leclerc, he's moving up from uh, Formula Regional. He came second in that last year. He's a Ferrari Drivers Academy member. You probably know his brother. <laughs> so, um, he's got, he's got high expectations on his shoulders. I think when any driver comes into a championship with a, a, a noted surname, they're going to have people looking at them. Um, and we'll, it'll be interesting to see how, how he does. He did, he came fourth in, um, ADAC F4 in 2019 as well. So he's a strong contender. And then Caldwell, um, it's his second year in F3 as well. Came 16th last year. Uh, and he came third in the Italian F4 in 2018 with Prema as well. So he knows the team. Um, they've worked together and it looks like they've, they've got a good, good shot. It's, it's a young team. I mean, Hauger and Caldwell are 18 and Leclerc is 20. So give them a few races and they'll be, they'll be right up there. Also pertinent to, uh, to note that Vesti's had quite an interesting off season. Uh, not only moving teams to ART, but he's now a Mercedes Formula 1 junior, which is a, a huge uh, accolade to have at that age, um, but also comes with a lot of pressure. Um, after last season, obviously, he, he he challenged for the title, didn't quite get it, but is it maybe a make-or-break year for him this year? Does he have to win the title if he wants to really be taken seriously for Formula 1? Now that he's got that added attention that comes with being a Mercedes junior, it is more pressure, but I think that he has a very good shot. He's, he's clearly got a lot of drive and determination. Um, I've spoken to both him and himself and, and Sebastian Philippe about um, where Frederick is, is going this season. Um, you know, he's moved team. He's got a new challenge. Um, and he's, he's, from speaking to him, you can see he's really ready to put in, in the work and get results. Um, he, he said to me after the testing in Barcelona that he thinks the ART is the kind of team uh, that you know, get straight into work when you get there. And he really likes their work ethic. Um, he also said that he puts more pressure on himself than anyone else puts on him. You know, I asked him about being a Mercedes junior, the comparisons that come with that. You know, people have banded around next George Russell comparisons, which I think can be unhelpful. I don't think there's any point branding someone the next George Russell, you know, or anyone. I think it's, you have to let them develop on their own. And, um, I think from speaking to him, it's really clear that he's the one who puts that pressure on himself. Um, but also that having that Mercedes support will really boost his efforts and really help his development. And also that extra motivation as well, when you can look at the team around you who are helping you and, and see what they have achieved, that really gives you a boost in, in your confidence. So, um, yeah, I think, I think he's got a really good shot. It's, it's only his second year in F3. So let's see what he can do, I think. I guess this, probably the story... Uh, of the off-season is the return of Juan Manuel, Manuel Correa. Uh, that is an incredible feat to not even, to just be back in a car racing again, let alone uh, be in a championship like Formula 3. Um, what a story that is and um, yeah, just talk us through some, just talk us through some of that. I mean, it's a, it's, it's remarkable that he's even here. 
It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. He was involved in that awful crash at Spa um, in which we sadly lost Antoine Hubert. He was in a coma for two weeks. Uh, he's had extensive surgery and rehabilitation and he's made, quite frankly, an astonishing recovery. You know, as you said, the fact that he is here and the fact that he is here and racing is incredible. I had a really good chat with him last week about how this has come about, really, and how he's ended up back in the car 18 months later. And he said it actually kind of, he'd formulated this plan about coming back before the anniversary of the race, in uh, the crash in August. Um, and he met Sebastian Philippe at Spa uh, and they had a chat and <laughs> Philippe kind of assumed that he was talking about racing in 2022 rather than this year. Um, but they arranged a meeting and Correa turns up in his wheelchair with his leg in this metal cage looking in no condition to be driving five months later with all these medical files in his iPad and basically just presents this whole thing to, to Philippe and says, look, I can do this if you can believe in me. Um, and he did. He managed to convince him and his his contract was signed in, in December. Um, and yeah, he said, he said it has been a huge challenge and it has been probably a bigger challenge than he was expecting, but his progress has also been incredible um he had he's got a lot of catching up to do the testing that we've had so four days of testing i think he did one one day of testing before that as well but um you look at his times from from the two rounds of testing we've had so far he's been you know around 10th so the fact that he's come back from that got back in the car got the seat at a team like art um he's very determined he's very passionate and he said, he said he's not expecting anything result wise. You know, he's not saying I want to be P5, P10, whatever. But he, he is welcoming the challenge of just being back in the car and competing and competing alongside, uh, Smoliar and Vesti. He's, he said he, you know, they've got a really good team together. And Philippe said he's very happy with the way that Correa has been able to come back. He did think when they met in Paris that it was a bit of a big, bet for them to kind of commit and it there were question marks around that but that that one manuel has been working really really hard all winter um and he can now drive the car just like any other driver would drive the car which considering everything that he's been through and all of the surgery he's had on his legs is incredible so um yeah yeah i think he's 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 played his chances down a bit but i think i think he'll be up there i think he'll be up there in the top 10 for sure yeah, it's it's a great story. Just just the fact that he's even racing again and just being as brave as he has been over these last eighteen months. You know, obviously being confined to a wheelchair and everything. I think just sort of t when he was talking after testing, he said the only sort of drama he had was it's quite hard to to feel the brake, uh, the feel the pressure on the brake pedal with with his leg, which is obviously going to be a, a situation you're going to have to overcome. But the fact that he's sort of talking about ways of trying to better that and get like get the most out of the car it's just it's just it's just great to see yeah for sure and i mean he was talking a bit more about his um about some of the doctors he's had to go to the the rehabilitation stuff he's had to go through um and he said he was giving uh, if, if he was told to see 15 doctors he'd see 15 doctors he'd, he was giving you know 100 percent, if not 150 percent, all the way through just really trying to you know get himself back through that journey which he said has been excruciating long painful and mentally difficult but the fact that he has has battled through that really shows a strength of character that is is what you need to succeed and I could tell from speaking to him but he said 
you have to believe 100% and not think about what might happen. You know, his doctor's saying, he said to me when, when he had the meeting with Philippe in August, well, in September, if you'd have asked his doctor who'd followed his whole recovery, he would have said that there was about a 30% chance that he could actually do this with all the things that could go wrong. And he's now in that car ready to start the season this weekend. So I think he's done an absolutely incredible job. And I, I think even whatever results he gets, the fact that he has come back is absolutely phenomenal. And that that's what matters, really. Yeah, he's, he's a role model, isn't he? He's a role model that transcends motorsport. And I think that that's what uh, that's something that, that should shouldn't go unnoticed. Like the fact is that he's he's kind of done this, just sort of proves to anyone else in that similar situation that you can achieve whatever you want to achieve. So I think that's I think it's pretty cool, and I'm, I really I wish him all the best because I think I think he deserves it. I think he deserves a chance to to shine again. The other factor that we should co- which we talk about with Formula Three is um, we have a new weekend format for Formula Three this year. Uh, qualifying is particularly interesting because the top ten from qualifying are reversed for race one and then the results of race one are reversed for race two and then the final race is the actual times set in qualifying sets the grid explaining that is quite challenging on paper it isn't as difficult as it sounds thank god but um we've seen formula 2 debut this this format in bahrain it actually worked pretty well there wasn't too too much of a difficulty to get to grips with it and some drivers were sort of worried that there would be some games being played to 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 benefit benefit themselves in races we didn't see any of that it's an interesting concept but it it should work in principle yeah i mean you you see the results of f2 and the drivers seem seem to take it pretty well um dan tickton said he quite liked it so far and liam lawson said that he liked the extra time on track so it looks like it it should work as well for F3 as it did for F2. I mean, in F3, a seven-round season with three races per weekend. So there'll be 21 races rather than 18, but only over seven rounds. Um, so Whereas there were nine, we, nine race weekends in 11 weeks last year. So I think the drivers who I've spoken to are pretty happy that it's being spread out a little more this year. Uh, obviously, because of COVID, it was, it was difficult last year. But... Um, yeah, the, the the way that the format's going to work in terms of Friday qualifying sets Sunday, reversed Friday qualifying sets Saturday, and Saturday race one sets Saturday race two, I think it will work. Um, it, it mixes the action up a bit. Um, the three the races are all forty minutes long, um, so yeah, I mean it it, how, it means that the teams who are who are competing in F two and F three can pull their resources uh, now that F two and F three don't run on the same weekend. There were drivers looking at doing both, which is pretty incredible. It just makes it a bit easier for the teams who are doing both. And I think um, the fact that it's slightly condensed with three races in each weekend will will be good for the drivers. Um, you know, the season kicks this, kicks off this weekend uh, and we'll see see how we get on, I think. I guess then let's just look look towards this weekend then. Um, it's a track that's very familiar for a lot of drivers. Um, what what are you expecting? Are you expecting any surprises, or do you think the sort of the suspects that we've already mentioned are going to be the ones fighting it out at the top? The only thing we can really compare it to so far is is the the testing that was done there. You know, as I, as I said before, there were some really strong performances from uh, from the guys at MP Motorsport. So they you know they might be up there. I think Vesti, as I said usual suspects um and and the Prima guys i think we could see some good performances from them as well 
You mentioned MP Motorsport there. They've got two Alpine Academy drivers in their ranks. They look like they've got quite a little strong lineup there. Victor Martins and Kaio Collette are both in the Alpine Academy. Martins topped both days of testing in Barcelona and Collette topped both in Austria. So very good form. No, no other team you know, broke close to those. I think Martins um, set some really, really good times in Barcelona. Um, he won Formula Renault last year um, and he was second the year before against Piastri, our old friend. Um, and I think, yeah, I think Victor Martins, again, it will take him a bit of time to get into the swing of things. He's a rookie, but I see no reason for him not to be fighting up there with, with times like he's set in testing. Um, you know, I think he's, he could do a great job. Um, MP Motorsport came sixth in the standings last year. Uh, but with him and Colette, I, I think they could be a top five team at, at least. Um, I spoke to Martins and he said that he and Colette, who have been friends for, for quite a long time, being both in the Alpine Academy, um, he says that they'll, they'll be a strong team. Um, you know, he said that there will be that rivalry, but he thinks that they can work really well together and with their, their feedback, um, push, you know, really push that team to the top. And also Martins has got that added, um, he, he's feeling a bit revitalized. He was, he was an Alpine Academy member. Um, until the end of 2019, when it was the Renault Academy. Um, and then he was dropped uh, after he lost to Piastri. And then they've picked him back up again this year. Um, after he won the the, uh, the Formula Renault Euro Cup title last year, he's now back in the academy. He's feeling like he's got that extra boost back. The help that being in the academy gives him in terms of training and physio and support, he sounded really, really enthused. So I feel like they could be another good duo to watch. Who is your favourite to win the title? I'm going to go with Vesti at this point, but ask me again next week. <laughs> That's a very good answer. Um, <laughs> fantastic. Um, thank you very much for your time, Megan. That was fantastic to to look through some of the stories for, from the FIA F3 Championship ahead of round one this weekend. Uh, th- I'm sure it's going to be a fascinating battle on track. So uh, thank you again for your time. Thanks, Tom. Before we go, here's what you can see right now on Autosport Plus. In keeping with the theme of today's podcast, Marcus takes a look at three-time champion Gordon Shedden's return to the BTCC, while Megan also has an in-depth preview of this weekend's opening round of the FIA Formula 3 Championship. We think it's the best motorsport racing out there, but judge for yourself with half-price access. New subscribers who sign up today can use the promo code PODCAST during checkout to save 50% off their first payment. Go to autosport.com slash plus and click sign in at the top of the page, then use promo code PODCAST for the 50% discount. Thanks for listening today. We'll be back soon. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Wendy's knows cold and soggy fries are the worst. So soggy. That's why we're serving up hot and crispy fries all day, every day. And all night. Until close. With natural cut potatoes, sea salted to perfection. Show me that potato skin. 
Wendy's Hot and Crispy aren't like other fries. We're your dream fry. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's Hot and Crispy Fries. Guaranteed to be hot and crispy. If yours aren't, bring them back and we'll replace them. Sports Social Podcast Network.